0: Hello and welcome to a special Haaretz podcast. I'm Allison Kaplan-Summer in Tel Aviv. Today we take a close look at the amazing ongoing investigation in Haaretz called Agents of Chaos, it's part of an unprecedented global effort that has uncovered two disinformation firms, which used a battery of highly sophisticated digital tools to interfere in democratic elections worldwide. I am excited to have our two intrepid reporters from Haaretz and The Marker here in the studio Omer Ben Jacob and Gore Megiddo, who have been in the red hot spotlight. How are you guys doing?
1: Not bad. Not bad. We're doing okay. A bit tired, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So the whole thing sounds to me like the plot of a film. I don't know if you've been optioned yet, but set the scene for me of how it began as two hapless reporters sitting in the newsroom. How did this all start? So
2: it wasn't in the newsroom. We had all met in Paris over the summer, uh, part of a global network called Forbidden Stories, which follows up on the work of reporters that are threatened or killed for their work. Uh, and Forbidden Stories wanted to do an investigation into the disinformation industry, so it's the fake news for hire industry. And we all met in Paris, and we were seeing kind of uh, the previous work that other reporters had done on this, and we saw a really interesting investigation by a, bunch of, uh, by a group of indian reporters with an outlet called the wire and they had managed to through some sources to to see the inside of a disinformation program like a program like an app that you distribute kind of fake news through and i, I won't forget this and i'll never forget this google just leaned over to me and said we, sh- we should get screenshots like that would be really cool if we could find screenshots of a photo and i said that, that would be cool <laughs>
1: and then yeah and, and then it was how are we going to get them and, and obviously we thought, okay, we may have sources, but you know, it never happens like that when you approach a story and it's normally with these that would leaks, it's probably there, the source is coming to you and you don't just approach them and they give it to you unless you know them from, from previous dealings. So I thought, you know, the only way to get into this is basically, um, you know, poses clients.
0: To go undercover, as they say. Yeah,
2: to go undercover and, and think of the yeah. worst project ever. Like what? Was, like the idea was to find the worst, like a project that no one would ever agree to take if they were a legitimate entity. And the idea was to. I mean, we we thought um, you know. The, first of all, we, we
1: raised this idea in in Paris, and some people were like, nah, nah, how are you going to do it?" And then we came back, and everybody, they, every team had to present its idea of how how to move forward because we have no, we had no leads, we had no leaks, we had no. Some people had sources, obviously, and uh, we came out and we said we're going to try. And when we when we're back home, to to just pose a client, you know, form a little group. And when we said that, there was a French reporter, uh, the Radio France reporter in, in in Jerusalem. His name is Frederic Metezu, and he came to us and said, uh, "Whatever you're doing, uh, you're doing it with me." So I uh, said, "That's that's very good because we need someone with a French accent. That's going to work perfectly." <laughs> yeah. Because if you approach them with my Israeli accent, Omer's accent can, can pass, but also he's, he's a yeah, bit Israeli yeah, yeah. In, in many senses, like physically, <laughs> you can tell he's Israeli. <laughs> We should start with the French-looking guy, with the guy with a French accent. And and so we came back, and we started looking for, for players like that. And, you know, Omer is a cyber reporter. I did a lot of reporting on cyber. And these this fields are quite close, and these people are the same people. So I started meeting people, and Omer started meeting people. And, and one of my sources tells me, you know what? I saw a presentation in, in an office in Modine. That's science fiction. You have to go and see it. It's, it's a horror film. And, and I said, okay, how are we going to, you know, get into this? And we started finding intermediaries. And we found just the right intermediary who took us to another intermediary and eventually managed to get into a the, first the appointment. French, the French The French reporter. reporter. Yeah, I managed to get into a first online meeting, online Zoom meeting with these people. And I think the first one was talking. The second one, Jorge, was introduced. And that was it. Like the moment... <laughs> Hoche stepped into the picture. We knew there's a giant story because he practically on 15 minutes into the presentation, he showed him for the first time the insides of an email and a telegram account of an aide to the uh, president of Kenya, the current president of Kenya. He wasn't the president back then. He was a vice president and a candidate.
2: This is a Live. real person that we have access. It's a target. It's a target. And we have yeah, access. Target. A target. We are inside his mailbox. We see it one-to-one. It's like it's his actual uh, Gmail. I can can send an email from him to someone.
0: So wait, let's, let's just go backwards. For people who haven't read the story, everyone needs to go, obviously, and read the stories, all of the stories. So you went undercover as what? seeking to do what in order to get them to reveal uh what tools so to through use. a
2: chain of mediators and kind of what you would call them like door openers or conduits or politicos we managed to kind of create uh, uh the semblance that we or specifically the french reporter for the uh, were representatives of an african country or people with interest in an african country uh, who want uh to prevent the election from happening there so there was a scheduled election and these people don't want this election to happen no reason was ever given so it's not so they, we, we 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 And there we,
0: was kind of a hint it was Chad right
2: Yeah that
1: they when it was Chad they understood it was it was Chad because of the the date of the the elections and first meeting Jorge was not present there was a group led by a person named Mashi Meidan he also used a fake name a Sudanese. Jorge
0: was supposedly the big leader the big yeah we'll get group. to him yeah. like
1: at some point we yeah. were told to call so, him so at, at that point they were saying we can do anything you like if you want to destabilize the country in order for people to not go and show up for the vote that's fine for us like we know how to do everything you can dream of just get us phone numbers of anyone who's objecting your idea yeah. Like who we, are your rivals yeah yeah, you have like who are your, your rivals and, and also have you ha- um, do you have access to cellular operators?
0: So once this Pandora's box was opened and you realized not only was this company doing these things, but that they were so open with you when they were pitching you about doing it, how did you decide to strategize about going, because this story took nine months to report. So what was your strategy in getting the maximum amount of information out of them without revealing who you so, were?
2: So I think there's two aspects to that. One was that we, we, we I, Google was very very smart in kind of saying we should keep meeting them. Like we never kind of strove to have the meetings end. So we in a sense, we ended up having five recorded meetings and then one physical meeting in which they kept repeating and elaborating different stuff that they were involved in. The second thing, which I think is in a sense like a real stroke of genius is that we asked them to do a, a test campaign uh, to make sure that their uh, aim system so at the heart of their operation is this like completely Science fiction, crazy system for creating fake accounts, uh, really fully automated, uh, but also manual. You like create tons and tons of fake accounts that Facebook can't find, and we wanted to test it. And Google had suggested that we get them to launch a test campaign and to uh, the, to start a, a fake rumor.
1: So we were trying to achieve two things. First of all, verify that the system we're seeing is not just a video running on the str- on the screen, because it's very easy to come up with a nice demo. That would be very convincing, but I, we wanted to see that they really uh, circumvent the, the uh, mechanisms Facebook, Twitter put in place in order to stop this kind of inauthentic behavior. And second thing we wanted to do is to have them mark the accounts for us. And therefore, we came up with this idea of killing uh, Emmanuel the emo. Digitally. Which, yeah, digitally. Not, not really, not in the real world, but spreading the rumor that Emmanuel died and using the hashtag rest in peace Emmanuel.
2: Every time, Emmanuel,
0: don't do it. Emmanuel, don't do it. Emmanuel, don't do it. Emmanuel, don't choose violence today, please. Every day we go through this. Gosh.
2: For those who don't know, Emmanuel, the the, the emu, it's pronounced right. Emu is this viral emu, yeah. animal, yeah. And it was it was like its day in the sun. It was like it was profiled by the <laughs> Washington Post.
1: <laughs> it was a bit annoying at the time to see, to see this emu. Anyway, never mind. So we didn't want it to die and. Uh, yeah, and, and we actually apologize to the emu and uh, and the owner also.
0: <laughs> but you wanted to test in real time what spreading a false rumor about somebody right, looks like. And,
1: right, and so so he did, and his machine started shooting tweets, uh, uh, Facebook posts, but to, to a lesser amount, uh, but tweets very seriously, like thousands of thousands of, of tweets. It was uh, they had like it was trending in Slovakia. That once you reach the trending, and you get more more traction, even, and the morning after uh, Taylor Blake, which is the owner of Emmanuel, or she 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 she, she wakes up and she sees this rumor online, and she, she she she's running to a barn and she sees Emmanuel live alive, and she's she's tweeting about it, and then you know there's people responding. So but now the f- it's growing even more. So that that was the point when we said okay we should stop. I, I don't know, it's it's a funny thing, but uh, it's it's enough. Not Maybe. for the Amy. it's not no, funny, no, yeah. No, it's not funny. So we stopped and, and we, we thanked them and we just kind of, uh, I think we had another meeting with them and then we stopped and we called the rest of the group and we told the rest of the journalists, or like journalists from the 30 different outlets basically in the group, but well, so there were dozens of journalists working on a story. We told them, okay, this is what we have. If you look up Rest in Peace Emmanuel, what you will find is all of the avatars operated by Ames. And this is the guy we met who shared some of the the videos. And then what was nice about this is we had uh, journalists from different parts of the world, which helped verify the story, but also from different types of journalists because I can't do data journalism. I know nothing about tech. I know I'm basic, okay? and and Omar is a bit better but uh, but they Yeah, are we do not we're not social network analysis. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they, they,
0: they went back and looked at the avatars and saw what these avatars had been up to in the past. So, so
1: they, they did an in-depth analysis yeah. and they they uncovered uh, 19 different campaigns in with in.
2: 1800 avatars yeah. over like 18 different countries.
0: I mean, the idea of avatars and and using them to spread you know, ideas and false rumors in politics is not new, Omer. We worked we worked uh, together during the Trump campaign and looked at it. So tell, so tell me, how how is this different? How is so the scale that's great, different?
2: It's a great question because I think one everyone thinks about bots in the Trump era as something that is like you know, for example, Don by states right it's russia trying to intervene on trump's behalf the bots are really in a sense really stupid like they just you know amplify claims And avatar is something different avatar is like a fake persona that that it, you can't tell isn't a human it's not about the twitter is just like the end point of that so it, these avatars are actually seemingly real people that, that 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 pass and can play multiple different roles and that's the second big difference from the kind of bots in the trump era this is a private industry they work with political clients, but they also work with private clients. Yeah, tons of these campaigns were about oligarchs and crypto coins. And I think there's something really interesting and profound about kind of the privatization of literally military-grade psychological warfare. So the same techniques that states have used, you're right, for a long time, are now privatized. And anyone from embattled oligarchs to disgruntled crypto bros can p- pay for this as a service. I created Sophie Wild. She can open anything. She can open an 888 Casino account.
0: She can open Airbnb account. Amazon, uh, Bolt, Burger King. Uh, wh- tell me what you want to open. Yeah, Facebook. I get a phone number from UK. And now if I send SMS, I will get the SMS and I will get the code.
2: but
1: also it's it's only a stage like there, there's a whole modus operandi to this uh, company and basically what it does is it hacks and then it's inside the account it can forge evidence or you know include stuff inside those accounts the gmails the telegram and then it leaks these things sometimes it manipulates the, the information yeah, It can
0: use the information as is or it can spice it up it yeah, can, it can add you know twists that aren't true in order to make it more scandalous or juicy etc right
1: and then they use real journalists if they if they leak it or they just leak it on on on, on the web and then or they, they can make up their own journalists they can make up no that's that's a different, comp- that's a different company, company. <laughs> that's that's a second company went after so
0: let's fast forward to what you discovered and what you were able to verify using your international journalism uh, partners around the world what Exactly, has this team, Jorge, been responsible for over the years?
2: I think the most, like the most salient example we have is what's happening now in Kenya. In the sense that during our meetings, we get indications that they're involved in Kenya. At the first meetings, it's before the the elections. One of our meetings is right before the results are published, and then we kind of see that mo in action. Uh, we we have the, the through reporters in linked to Der Spiegel, we've managed to confirm. For example, the hacking. So, so like a reporter actually managed to confirm that the messages were sent on behalf of one of the victims. So, people that were hacked, we saw it actually had sent that Jorge had sent messages on their behalf that we've managed to confirm. But I think there's also kind of this wider, uh, as Google would put it, smoke more than fire. We can't say that they're actively involved there in the disinformation campaign going on now, but it's very similar to the M.O.s we've seen. So
1: basically, in the,
2: there was um, on on the 15th of August, it was we met Jorge
1: online and he's shown us the the insides of of two uh, people close to the president, who was announced as the president at the very same day, uh, Ruto. And three days after, He is announced as as the president. Uh, A so-called whistleblower appears in a hotel in Kenya and talks to this guy, this former journalist, very respected person in Kenya called John Kitongo, and tells him a story as a whistleblower. I was part of the group that hacked into the election committee's uh, uh, website and planted forms there in order to steal the elections, make Rutu to win on the account of... uh, Uh, Ray Laudinga, which was the opposing uh, candidate, and according to this guy was supposed to be the victor.
2: Two days after the election, they're claiming that... Three three days, and uh, these
1: are the same. The people he's blaming, like the two people he says led this effort, are the same two people that we saw, Jorge,
2: inside their telegram accounts so the, vi- the people we know are victims of hacking are now being blamed by an anonymous whistleblower of hacking in themselves into the election committee website and planting forged evidence for forged results
1: now this and this whistleblower provided this this gitongo guy um, um, uh, logs that were supposed to prove that really there was this kind of hacking took place into the election committee's website and in fact Uh, the Supreme Court examined those logs and it found out that these are logs from 2017 previous elections. So this is obviously a disinformation campaign. We can't say for sure that this whistleblower was sent by Tim Hochey, but we can say for sure that Tim Hoche was part of hacking a moment before this disinformation
2: campaign. And we can also say that over the meetings, he described to us one of his main techniques as setting up leak sites. So this whole idea of like hacking leaks or anonymous whistleblowers putting out the truth is something that has long been used in this information. Campaigns. WikiLeaks, yeah. Yeah, WikiLeaks. For and Hoche actually talks about that. He says some t- a lot of times we'll set up a leak site like WikiLeaks. And you put up tons of documents there and then you can also put forged documents there. So, and, uh, but there's a whole layer of this investigation that we cannot corroborate,
1: obviously. Like he, he said he was responsible for a DDoS, like a denial of service attack on Spain, on Catalonia. Wow. on the, Yeah. On the referendum about the independence of Catalonia in 2014. He, d- he said so four times. During the presentations, because there, there was a repeating like uh, demo yeah. clip. There's themes. Was,
2: yeah, there's the, there's a clip that
1: he shows every time. It's also like the presentation is, is the same thing he's every bragging, time. bragging. His bragging it's, spiel,
0: yeah. right? Yeah, yeah
1: it's, it's his bragging spiel. Exactly. And, and so he took responsibility over that event. Can I say for sure he wasn't just bragging? No, I can't. And he said he's responsible for a similar attack on uh, the election committee in, uh, in Indonesia. In 2019, can I tell for sure that he was really responsible for that? No, I can't. But I can just tell that he. This is what he tells his client. So if you ask me what's verified and what's not, Ames is verified yeah. to us because we did the repeat manual. AIMS is the uh, the, the, software, the army of yeah, the, the, yeah. Software the software for uh, creating deploying face. Yeah, th- that's verified. We, of
2: course. What we does
0: AIMS stand for?
2: Uh, Advanced Impact Media System. Okay, um, that's good. I
1: I wouldn't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> So Ames is verified, and then we have uh, the the hacking is verified because we saw the message that Choke sent from a hacked account received on the on the other side. Basically, the person who received it, uh, and we so we can tell for sure that it happened. Also, he talked about involvement in in uh, in Nigeria in two thousand fifteen. He said he was responsible for an attack that denied the service uh, for the opposition leader's phone.
2: This is uh, the biggest country in Africa okay you see
0: 9 40 in the morning all the opposition they come they show their phone to the media say blockage of all leaders phones
1: it was never found who's responsible for but it. but uh, in nigeria we did find out that he was involved in the campaign together with Cambridge Analytica.
0: Yeah, Cambridge Analytica, I wanted to ask about that because that is uh, something that our American and probably also British listeners will remember yeah, very fall. well from the from the Trump campaign. And uh, there was always talk of a mysterious Israeli connection there that no one could ever pin down, and you guys seem to have uh, solved the case. Yeah,
2: I think it's a great thing because I think Cambridge Analytica is like the blast big thing. People remember the disinformation space and ga- right. like stories. Remind people what yeah, Cambridge, yeah. So Cambridge Analytica is. Cambridge Analytica r- is a firm that got famous for kind of exploiting Facebook, collecting data on people and then using that data to target them manipulatively during elections. The two most famous campaigns they were involved in Brexit and Trump,
0: right? And uh, Steve Bannon, who was As Trump's course, infamous advisor, advisor, used to be yeah. directly yeah. in, exactly. in uh, exactly what was he there? Investor. Uh, investor.
2: Vice Vice President and investor. And an investor. What people don't remember is that they were vice also chairman. vice right. chairman. What people don't remember is that they were also linked to a campaign in Nigeria. And d- at that time, there was rumor that there was Israeli hackers, but the story never got followed up because, like the, ch- the other headlines got so big, and Facebook had responded. No one, you know, no one looked too deeply into that. Now, new emails that the Guardian. Had which are part of this consortium link it directly to Jorge. There are actually emails like saying that they work with someone called Jorge and then Alex Nix, the CEO of Cambridge Analytica, asked Brittany Kaiser, the quote-unquote whistleblower from Cambridge Analytica, who is this Jorge? And she goes, it's Tal Hanan from this Israeli company. He's he's
1: actually asking who's uh, Jorge from the Black Ops company.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it, it looks as if on a political level, most of what you guys uncovered had to do with third world politics, uh, countries in Africa, etc. no direct evidence of interference in uh, countries like Israel or the U.S., or you did see evidence of that happening maybe in the business realm, cryptocurrency, et cetera, that, that they are active also in uh, in the networks in uh, the They claim they do in not the
1: do politics in, in the United States and in Israel because, quote, they don't cheat with their sleep. Uh, classy guys. Yeah, classy guys. Exactly. <laughs> but but in fact, they do they do uh, engage in Israel and in the United States. First of all, they were responsible for a campaign against uh, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, and that had to do with a nuclear uh, power plant that its license had to be renewed. And they were you know their avatars were posing as uh, pro-nuclear energy activists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> activists. Go green. Go green. Activists. <laughs> And uh, so so but they, they claim then they claim uh, they, uh, they do not do national level politics. And in the Cambridge analytical materials, we did see that they were trying to um, they, they didn't offer their technology, but they offered a third parties technology, probably as intermediators. Uh, so we, they didn't involve in, in uh, U.S. politics. But, um, I mean, they did take responsibility for events that took place in, in, in Spain, for example. No, and they,
2: they pitched the Trump campaign yeah, for this and, technology. And, and,
1: and right. in yeah. France— That's in, where we found out. In it. France, mm-hmm. the story is very big because there's a very big anchor in French TV that was suspended from from his work because of a sentence that Hoche told Omer and I in his meeting uh, in his office uh, in Modine. He just—it was absolutely Offhanded. Nothing. Like, yeah, off-handed. There was no proof. Nothing. He just showed us. You know, I can, I can, uh, I can plant stuff in in news in France. I can in, in named a few outlets. And then he said, "Look at this. This is. Do you see this? This piece? I, I did this." And he, he just took, he took his cell phone and, and he showed us. You know, a, a, on YouTube, like he played on, you, on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, so some odd odd piece of news. I don't know what reporting about some. Uh, unemployment that would be caused uh, due to the uh, sanctions, sanctions on, on, russia. on russia because uh, it was also in french in, in uh, monaco there are uh, different companies serving the yacht industry and it was all it looked like uh, something not v- not very serious and we showed it to our, our french partners and our friend frederick took this uh, <laughs> took this to the the ceo of this the television channel and uh, then they screened past reportings of this anchor and they found they also started an internal investigation and found out that he's bypassing his editors and showing up with materials in a control room just telling you know the the staffers when, when i talk you put this on a prompter and you put this on on the screen and just do as i say and this guy was suspended i don't know he's probably going to be i assume he's going to be fired and this is all because hoch told us in a meeting with him, without supplying any proof at all that he
2: planted Uh, A piece of news in his show, so it's 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 just it's actually like fake items in a in a in late night broadcast, and then again I think it's the full circle of disinformation. These of course are then pushed out, and like you create, you use real media to manipulate new media, and I think in that sense it's not just a social media story. Like this is a wider ecosystem. In the same way, these team also function in the real world and the disruption is real then also this is a great example of that like it's new and old media so, so it's, it's hard to, to it's hard to sum it up because it's like a supermarket of ser- of <laughs> evil services <laughs> <Yeah>. and
0: <laughs> the evil so, supermarket yeah yeah your group of stories on team jorge dropped on wednesday and then you had a separate follow-up story on thursday about a different set of operations which is similar but uh, but not completely Team identical. Jorge was
2: so fun that Gould just said, let's see if we can do it again. <laughs> and the disinformation industry said, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go for it, don't worry. Uh, Through another chain of mediators we reached uh, what I will quote it with... Tons of irony and sarcasm called the legitimate side of the disinformation industry. Some of you might recall a group called Cy Group. Cy Group was investigated by Robert Mueller and the FBI for their involvement in the Trump election. There was no campaign there, it was only just a pitch that they had given. But through a chain of mediators we managed to reach their new iteration, which is called Percepto International. Percepto. Ooh. Yeah. Perception <laughs> it's about yeah. perception, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Percepto is, is, is a
1: new operation. It's owned by Leo, by, uh, Leo Hoev, which is very well-known um, uh, strategic advisor in Israel, and uh, Roy Bursten, which was the CEO of Group. And uh, and this this company does something a bit different. It's not based on technology. It's just human hacking or, or yeah. social hacking. Perception hacking. What Perception hacking. And
0: what you found about this company, unlike the other, which is really, you know, hidden undercover underground, this is not a hidden company, but you said that what they say they do is very different from what they actually do.
1: Yeah, they they well, they were on an interview with one of our colleagues from Radio France, and uh, they said they do uh, counter-influence. Uh, in and what they do, in fact, is influence, but they use a different set of tools. They're not using technology and masses of, of avatars, but they're using single avatars. For example, they have uh, groomed uh, a, an avatar that was a fake investigative reporter for three years. Yeah. Fake, so, fake French journalist called Anita, uh, Anita Petit. Uh, she, she does not exist but she had uh, an investigative website and and they they i mean they reported on this website i think three or four hundred articles over the past three years on matters relating to francophone africa and this was some of them were probably legit and based on whatever was going on in in this world but some of them were you know just in order to increase the yeah to make her credible credibility of, of this figure but uh, some of them were just for sale and basically that's that's um, a, a very smart way of influencing reality because when you have a website that's credible to people Uh, publishing an investigation and it's actually an
2: article for sale then that's that's quite a smart hack he calls it an interoperable avatar that's what he says or a multi-layered avatar that is like you can be used for repeat campaigns like she can serve like you know anything related to francophone africa it's quite it's a very smart hack if you think about it
1: so in, in in this operation too we had fred approach them first with the French accent, also built a, a French-related uh, cover story with two chains fighting over clientele in, in francophone in Western uh, Africa. And and uh, so um, Roy boerstein offered to use an anti-Semitic, anti-American, pro-Putin, pro-Russian influencer that uh, actually uh, a, a whole report was dedicated to in the last November, by the uh, State Department, about the links between this person and uh, uh, Evgeny Prigozhin, which is the uh, disinformation arm of of the Kremlin, basically. And uh, so his name they, is Kemisheba. His name is Kemi Seba. He's, he's really a, he's like the
2: he's like the Louis Farrakhan of like who have, have the african speaking. But world.
0: apparently he's influential. He's yeah, big.
1: He yeah, he has a lot of followers, and uh, people follow what he says. It turns, turns out you means. can hire him through an Israeli disinformation firm. <laughs> so, so <laughs> apparently he's or, not that anti-Semitic.
0: Yeah. So <laughs>
1: E. Burstein offered to use his uh, services just to hire him in yeah. an unattributed way, just through an avatar, obviously an avatar of an oligarch or
2: something Yeah, so like he that. might not know he's working for Israel. We don't yeah. know. Yeah, and,
1: and, and just hire his services to just fight a, a battle between two commercial companies, which is unbelievable. And Fred, I think, was was um, he was shocked by this proposal. Not not the Fred, not not the undercover guy, the real the person. Un- <laughs> the real person was shocked by the proposal. and said, how can you use an anti-Semite? Anti- you really <laughs> see said, in the recording, it just comes out. It, yeah, it has nothing to do with Israel. It has nothing to do with Jewish with, with Jews, nobody's paying me to, to do a campaign against Kemi Seba, so right now we can utilize Kemi Seba. And it's business. It's business. Let's do it.
2: He works uh, as a front for an oligarch.
1: Uh, of course, the oligarch is not going to meet him because of the sensitivity, but he
2: works for the, uh, the front man of the oligarch, which is an avatar. It's not a real persona. Uh, what do they have in common? Both of them want to fuck France, right? And one other way to fuck France is through the pocket. And the oligarch says, Kemi,
1: I want to build you an NGO. You're going to make a lot of money. A lot of money, because Kemi needs money. It's a French company and it's shitting on the people. Let's take it down. And you'll be the front of this, Kemi. How does that sound? And you'll get an allowance of 5,000 euros a month. Sounds good, Kemi.
0: As we wind down, I want to step back and talk about the big picture. Um, You guys have been covering this whole field, this whole realm for many years. We've had the stories, you know, first of all, people have heard about the stories about Black Cube, about companies like NSO and Celebrate. People know generally that there is an issue with Israelis using the expertise that they gain in the military here, in the security services here, then commercializing it and playing on the borders of what is legal or not legal. What about what you found in this investigation goes a step beyond the stories that you've been writing in the past about some of these cyber security or companies and the uh, misbehavior that we've seen overseas and some of the dire consequences of their behavior overseas. What's different about this?
2: I think at a most basic level, what people don't understand is that a lot of the cyber and kind of cyber arm stuff are just, it's like arms dealers. So they sell a technology. So maybe we don't like that they sell digital guns, but they're selling, it's like selling a gun. What we saw here, at least with Team Jorge, it's not like selling Gun. it's like being a hitman for hire there's service providers and that's something that is just simply illegal in israel you cannot do hacking for hire as a service in that way and i think at a, at a kind of broader level there's just no world in which this is legal <laughs> i think right yeah. that would be a good yeah. way to put Gersin, it yeah, yeah, yeah. The, okay, because the they, hacking part of course that's, in that's their tricky. responses
0: they said we did no wrongdoing we've always operated within the law etc how is how, how is what they do what is clearly outside the law and where is it a gray area
1: well, the hacking is clearly outside the law. That's that's forbidden, and that's they should be investigated. I don't know if they will be investigated, but they should be investigated. Uh, and th- anything to do with the avatars, that's a question. Th- that could be fraud according to Israeli law, uh, but actually, it's quite it's quite widespread. People are using fake fake identities on on the on the web all the time, and I don't see that there's any enforcement in this field at all so um, it's it's a question whether you could enforce current law on this activity i think it wasn't done before and there's no policy for this enforcement but what what i think should should not be uh, questioned is that it should be forbidden and it should be uh, there should be a law that forbids it i don't see where or in what world uh, this kind of behavior would fall under uh, free speech that's not free speech that's fraud and people are not supposed to be free to uh, form fake identities uh, on on the internet, and and I think this whole industry has to be stopped, and that's where the legislator has to come in and, and just do it.
2: It's like gaslighting at a national scale, like that's it's actually like fraud. Uh, that's not even it's not even like you know a, a scheme. It's like nation. You say in Hebrew, you say it's national. Fr- it's nation, st- nation, national fraud. Like you're defrauding an entire nation.
0: Yeah, these targets of yours in this investigation are supposedly sophisticated people. At any moment, were you just stunned by the fact that, you know, you just walked in their door and they kind of opened their <laughs> coats and showed you everything they had while they were pitching you? At any point, did you think maybe they're on to us or that they suspect anything? Or did did they remain clueless the whole time?
2: I think they remained clueless till the end to be honest with you. I think there's something like people assume journalists publish stuff and we, it, it, this was took so long and we were in touch with them for such a long time that it almost seemed uh, that, that I think at that level like it just didn't seem believable. Like it didn't seem suspicious. I don't know, what do you think? <laughs> it's uh, these are two different questions. Did they know? I think they
1: did not know until the very last moment. Did we think they knew? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, over the last week before publication, uh, two weeks. W- yeah. yeah, two weeks even.
2: We we were uh, we were sure they know, and we were sure they were inside our phones, and we were m- scared that they were gonna like do a massive discredit <laughs> campaign yeah. against us and just kill this investigation before it comes out.
1: And I, I I've also had an experience like that before. Like I was targeted by a disinformation campaign before launching and publishing an investigation uh, here at, at the Marker, and. Uh, so uh, it's, it's a bad it's a very bad experience, even though it did not influence the publication at all. It was I will remember this experience. <laughs> so when you, when you
0: look back on these nine months on this experience, is there like one moment, one amazing moment that you'll remember that you were said, "Oh my goodness, I couldn't believe this happened," or that you really knew you had this story?"
1: We, we knew we had the story when Fred st- sent us the, fr- the, the first, first video. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's obviously the moment. The first presentation, we knew there was a giant story here.
2: Oh, that's a good question. I think there was, there, for me, there's two moments. One was R- rip Emmanuel. like I think something about that <laughs> yeah. was just so wild. Like we really woke up and realized that like
0: the poor emu. this
2: poor emu and like like it was really like viral, and I think we all got, we kind of got scared of our like of our ourselves almost at that moment. and I think the physical meeting, like I remember when we got out of that meeting because the meeting wasn't scary at all, like it was actually quite. Like he's a very charismatic person, and it was something. It was something like it was actually interesting in a sense, and didn't feel f- dangerous at all. And we were also together, so it didn't feel dangerous. And like I remember stepping out of that and just going like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> like what?" And like I think I think it's a lot of like in retrospect, you're like, "What? Wow! Like they're real people. Like I it, I don't know. It's funny. Like at some they, at they're some everyday po- people. they really yeah have, they're, yeah, they're, yeah they're, they're like regular Israelis. Israelis. Yeah. Now Jorge isn't
1: yeah Ho- 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 Heisen, but his brother uh, yeah. and, and Mashi they, they, the third guy that was
2: in the room that could be my uncle yeah he looks like my uncle exactly like yeah there are uncles so.
0: <laughs> well I was clueless while you were investigating it. all I know is that Omer you were walking around the newsroom looking very stressed out for a while <laughs> you know losing some weight etc drinking a lot of coffee someone so. came up to
2: me this week and said I get it <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast now it's time for a long vacation I think mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> okay, now good. our work much needed but <laughs> thank you for having us here Allison.
0: thanks again guys and listeners who haven't read this amazing investigation I highly urge you to check it out on the Haaretz website and so that wraps things up for this special Haaretz podcast thanks to my producer Nahara Malkin and editor Dan Broomer. I'm Alison Kaplan Sommer and Shalom from Tel Aviv.